Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tank. Hey guys, how's it going? Happy to be here. And also with us today, we got Dan, the man. What's up, everybody? It's the hood Billy getting silly. I'm excited. Drinks are cold. Let's fucking do it. All right. So you want to lead us off here, Tank? I got a stall fort. Got the old uh, Iron Duke here. That no, it's uh, Boss Tweed. The, <laughs> Yo, the beer I'm I over always here. Drink. <laughs> the the beer I always drink when I can't figure out what kind of shit I want to grab from the store. And uh, later on, in in uh, respect to the Michigan Wolverines, going to be playing in the college football playoff, which I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but either way. It'll be Monday. Go so blue. we'll know how that went. <laughs> All right. Wolverines! I'm going to drink them some fucking momentum tonight with some Spalding's uh, coffee liqueur, White Russian at one point in time, too. That's that uh, Ann Arbor distillery? Yes, sir. Yeah, we have to wait till someone says the secret phrase, and then, <laughs> then the white Russians come out to play. What about you, Dan? What do you got to well, drink? If you know me, you know I'm drinking Founders. But you don't know me at all, motherfuckers, because today <laughs> I'm switching it up. Uh, I got some orange whip. It's from a Rochester Mills Beer Company, which is another local Michigan, so I'm not cheating. It's cool. It's a milkshake IPA with orange zest. I've never had one, but uh, I've been drinking nothing but stouts and stuff lately, so I figured I'd, uh, you know, feeling kind of citrus. Fucking whip it up. And for people, just so you know, I had me a little early day at work today, so I had me lunch late, uh, late lunch, and I had me some founders for lunch today. So, I, I still have me some founders. So. Hell yeah. No, we all wait in anticipation. Don't, 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 don't. That sounded like the Terminator was going to come yeah. out. Yeah. It's the only music I know. <laughs> like I expected it was either that or Jeopardy. Expected a semi truck and an explosion. But, uh, yeah, pretty zesty, pretty IPA ish, pretty fucking good. Nice. So, I got a Big Lake Brewing from uh, Holland, Michigan. It's a uh, chocolate porter. My first time drinking it. It's actually really good. So it's a pint and it's at 7%. So it's still a strong beer, but that's lightish for dark beer. But, so it's the type of beer I would usually like. Right. But it comes in this pint can and I damn near just drank half this thing because it's pretty <laughs> fucking smooth. So. It's going down like a slim fast and you just... <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> I going down even, like a slim fast i didn't even mean that as like a joke like for yeah. real like slim fast i don't know how those are supposed to be like meal replacements because i'll drink those like fucking yoohoos how is the uh chocolate ratio on that is it it's good it's smooth but it's still a porter you know it showcases the porter more than the chocolate word but uh we all got a michigan independent one they all got the uh beer bottle label that Locke loves so much yep and they all got michigan 
Yeah, I'm telling you, it's the cauliflower ear of uh, craft beers, man. <laughs> spot that upside down mm. bottle and you're like, yep, yep. Know what that means. So support for Say Hello to the Bad Guy is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's blow-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. We got, we all got the performance kits. You guys all got your kits, right? I ask that every show. I know you guys got them. Now, yeah. so my bad. But yeah, it's uh, if you get the performance kit, that's like the Cadillac package. You get the lawnmower 4.0. You get the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You get the crop reviver, the crop preserver, which is all both uh, like ball deodorants. Comes with like a travel case. And, underwear. Yeah, anti-chafing underwear. And some uh, the fake newspapers that turns out they're mats, so that you put them on the ground. Collect all your pubes. Yeah. Throw it out. Nice yep. little shaving mat and shit. Yep. But uh, yeah, the uh, little I gave my balls a little spritz coming out the shower today, so I named my nuts Andre 3000 and Big Boy because they are fresh and so clean, clean. Hey, and I would say that if nothing else, if you know the 4.0, it's a little bit over the top for you. You know what I mean? You just go into 70s jungles bush. At least. Get the fucking crop preserver and the crop reviver and there you, you know, go. Freshen your shit up a mm. little bit. And then they have a whole like suite of products. So they got lip balm, they got foot deodorant. All um, the standard toiletries. Yeah, anything you want, regular face trimmers. Um and anything you go anything you go and get, use the promo code bad guy and it helps the podcast. So you don't gotta go get the, you know, lawnmower four point oh. they got the uh the man wipes. Those be real yeah. good too. Yeah. So Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BADGUY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Before we get started, I want to make sure we take the time to thank Sixfold Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. Got to thank Cancer for letting us use his song in the mid-roll. You can follow them both on Instagram, Sixfold Swaino, F-O-E. And Cancer is at Cancer the God. The E is a three. You can follow us on both Instagram and TikTok at Bad Guy Podcast and on Twitter at The Bad Guy Pod. And then if you can't find any of them, you go to badguypodcast.com and everything's on there. We also got we got a YouTube channel you can subscribe to. We got a Facebook. You say hello to The Bad Guy Podcast. So whatever social media you're on, we're there. So we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Egbert Joseph Holston. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. So, uh, Egbert Joseph Holston, a.k.a. Casper Holston, a.k.a. the Bolito King. You bet. Your name's got to be pretty bad to change it to Casper <laughs> and it be an upgrade. And he comes at you in the night like a ghost. And you notice, not only the f- the first name you get, Egbert, you probably don't want to go with that. I would see, I could see changing that to Casper. What are you, a medieval king? <laughs> but then he changed, uh, slaps an E in the last name, too. And I know Holstein, I think that's like a, a breed of cow. I mean, I'm sure it's a last name as well. I mean, but it's, isn't that like a breed of, like, cow or something like that? Like, kind of like an Angus, like a Holstein cow or something? Anyways, but... I'd believe you. So, I mean, I'll okay. go with it. I'll call. I have no idea. I'm not up on my livestock breeds. I wonder if he turned into it. some sort of meat purveyor or something, or yeah. a butcher. I'm gonna guess uh, Ellis Island slip. <laughs> oh, okay. AKA Casper Holstein, AKA the White Cow. <laughs> he 
He said, Holston. No, Holstein. We've had plenty of Steens come through here. It's Holstein. He's like, no, it's it's Holston. Casper Holstein was born December 7th, 1876 in St. Croix in the Danish West Indies. He was mixed African and Danish descent. And what year did you say that was again? 1876. Okay. He went by Casper, and then he moved to New York City with his mother in 1884. That's why I'm saying I'm assuming that it's probably uh, Ellis Island slip. You know, you're looking at Holstein. That's Holstein sounds probably like Jewish or something. You know, it's probably a much more common spelling. So that's why I think that the E got thrown in there. Like, ah, they just assumed he was another Jewish dude, and they just threw it in there. They, oh, yes. You misspelled your last name, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll listen to us if you know what's good for you. Now, you said he's African and Danish? Yeah. So he's a black man? Yeah, so he's black. He's he's mixed. He graduated from high school in Brooklyn, and then he joined the Navy during the Spanish-American War, where he served, in, he served on the USS Saratoga. So I guess there's actually been five USS Saratogas. I was about to say that is a very popular ship. I can't exactly place it in history, but I know that it has popped up throughout. It's funny that it lists his service as the USS Saratoga, but when he served, it was actually the USS New York. That's when you know you're doing too much research. <laughs> you're like, Hold on. You're getting the ship's maiden names and shit. <laughs> right. You're getting previous owners. and He said it was the Saratoga, but it was really the New York. Get your shit straight. You guys are stupid. Show me the bow facts. <laughs> he left the Navy with an honorable discharge. And then after the war, he went back and found work as a janitor. He worked as a doorman for a while, and then he ended up working as a messenger. So yeah. I heard this story where when he was working as a messenger, he delivered uh, a package to this, uh, like this rich family. And when they got it, and they were like, hold on, before you leave, they looked at the package, and they're like, this is the this is the wrong address. How'd you know this was us? How'd you know where to find us? He's like, yeah, when I realized it was wrong, I just checked every single person until I got the right one. And they were like, wow, you work pretty hard. You know, most people just <laughs> give the package to the wrong people. Like, we're pretty impressed. So they ended up getting them a job on Wall Street at a financial brokerage where, Holy he, shit. where he worked his way up basically as high as you could as a black man in New York, like in the early 1900s. A hell of an upgrade go from <laughs> running packages to working at a finance. And I mean, especially at that point in time, because the financial industry in New York, I mean, don't get me wrong. New York's always been like the hub of the financial industry in America, I would say. I mean, I think it's safe to say that, right? So, yeah. I mean, even at that, but in but in that year of, of history, particularly, I mean, working in the financial, that was fucking pretty bougie type, you know, work, even if you were working your way up. You know, so that's a pretty sweet upgrade for him. Well, yeah, nowadays you get fucking Amazon delivery guys just throwing your packages in fields. <laughs> right. This guy's out here just going door to door. How did he figure out the right, like, somebody would be like, oh, yeah, that is mine. Been waiting on this big-ass box. Give it here. Like anyone could have claimed it. I, I don't know. However he did it, apparently they didn't. So maybe that's something they considered is, yeah, anybody could have just grabbed this. You could have just gave it to whoever. You figured out it's not the right person and still got it to us. We like you. So he gets this job on Wall Street at this financial institution. It was like a real low-level job. Like his office basically was, he was like stuck in an old janitor closet. Oh, see, I said all that <laughs> bullshit. They're like, uh, I don't know, go over there or something. 
This is a better closet than you worked in before, all right? Take it or leave it. He got his job from delivering a package to the right house. So it wasn't exactly like they'd be like, you know what? You're good with addresses. You want to run a bunch of money? Yeah, they're going to give him the simple job. From his tiny office, he just sit there. He studied all aspects of the stock market. And he just learned numbers, finances, money, inside and out. He also familiarized himself with the neighborhood policy racket which had became severely minimized after the 1915 conviction of Peter H. Matthew. So it was still out there, but it was like the era of the, you know, numbers guys in Harlem had kind of withered away. Like it's something that's always, it's like gambling or prostitution. It's always been there, but the kind of, you know, the big guy at the time. Something about uh, as soon as you start locking people up for it, that's when it kind of quiets down. It's when people are kind of like, oh shit, they're taking this serious now. So now he learns the numbers racket and then he learns actual finances inside and out. And he starts trying to look at like, uh, like correlations between the two, how he can make them work together. And then what he realized is even before the big guys got busted and fell out the game, the way they were doing it was at the time they were drawn for policy wheels and then they'd post the numbers at a clubhouse. So they'd spin an actual lotto wheel and they'd pull the numbers and they'd post them there. And then you'd come check the numbers and see if you won or not. So this created a bunch of limitations. So one, you had difficulties distributing the win- winning numbers to players. So if it became harder to do, some people just not do it. And then it also made it easier to fix outcomes. So it made people distrust it because they're like, well, you, there's some way you could rig the thing or you could lie about the numbers. So it just had these built-in limitations. And so it, that affected their, their faith in the game. That seems weird. It's like... Well, if if you if you're having doubts about the faith in the game and if it's if it's legit or not, just go down and check the numbers. Like, no, no, I didn't want to do that. Well, now we're just gonna fix the shit because nobody wants to come and check the fucking numbers. Like, is that basically what you're saying? Like, well, I think when you talk about fixing it, I think they're thinking of more like the, uh, you know, the big conspiracy theory with the Patrick Ewing draft. Where they said they put the iced envelope in there. Oh, gotcha. So you just reach for the cold envelope. Nah. And that's how they knew he'd go to the Knicks. Yeah, it's two different. That one is they're afraid of it being rigged. The other one is they're not wanting to go down there and see the numbers for themselves. So Holstein uses his knowledge of both worlds to come up with a system where the U.S. Customs House receipts or the New York Stock Exchange daily share volume number, both of which were posted in the local papers, could be used as the winning number. So he was like, look, I found there's a couple of things there in the financial statements that always change randomly every day and you can't predict them. And then it's easy because nobody could fix it. It's right here in the paper and it's just random every day. So I don't control it. Nobody controls it. It's it's on the New York Stock Exchange. You know, <laughs> you built it up to the like he was living in both worlds. He was trying to figure out the correlation. He was trying to, like, I was waiting for some big, like, weird, like, financial loophole he works out or something. And all he got was, hey, you know these numbers change every day? Let's just use these. <laughs> like, Dick, you've been working in that closet for 12 hours a day for three years. Is this what you came up with? Like, it's one of those ideas that we hear on the show every now and then was just like, yeah, that seems like a very simple fix. And it just took that one guy to come up with it. So he runs this out there. So he's like, well, you know, I've been working pretty hard. I got some money. I'm good with numbers. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and start my own numbers game using this system. And it instantly became the go-to system of running numbers in Harlem. So not only did he kill with it, 
all the other guys that were running policy games were like, hey, let's just start doing this. And they would pick different numbers. Like I said, some would use the use U.S. custom house receipts. Some were like numbers from horse betting tracks. Okay. But once he ran that out, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a much better way to do it. I love it when it first came out. He had to do a whole big marketing campaign. Do you like playing numbers? But you hate having to go all the way down there to see the numbers. And then you don't know. What if it was fixed? Well, now there's a new way. You get the numbers conveniently right to your home in the paper. The new the new policy. Policy you can trust. Casper's <laughs> got the cure for what ails you. Yeah. This helps him create one of the top operations in Harlem. And he becomes basically probably the biggest numbers banker in the city he was, he was teddy Rowe of harlem yes but way bigger probably bigger i don't know but Har- was he tougher well nobody's tougher than tough teddy <laughs> he's the toughest man to ever the baddest man to ever step foot on the south side <laughs> whoa tough teddy whoa tough teddy <laughs> fucking toughest for the record i will say this probably a better businessman probably way smarter not even in the ballpark, toughness-wise. <laughs> you were keeping Tough Teddy in that closet with all them years? By 1920, he was known as the Belito King of Harlem. Why, why Belito? Because uh, Belito, it was like a Spanish name for the, their version of the numbers game. Yeah. So, some people say that he called it Belito, his version. Uh, they have a game that's called Belita. It really seems like that might have been like a... Like the meth in Breaking Bad, where they called it like the blue whatever. Like just a way to kind of differentiate his game from everybody else's game. <laughs> in Spanish, isn't like when you put an A on the end, it's more feminine? So yeah. like, this is the policy for men. This ain't no p- belita. It's belito. Well, and that shit works, too, because uh, I remember in high school, like, like I mean, at, at that point in time, like for the cops, it was like for maybe for like a year or six months period, they got away with just calling it the Belito, and then like they didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about, so they would just <laughs> get away with it all. Because in high school, I remember a kid, we had like a t-shirt, class, like a class where we made like t-shirts in art class and shit, and he he wrote Mota on the back of Mota on mm-hmm. the back of his shirt, <laughs> means weed or pot, but it took a good three days for the for the teachers to figure it out. So like he wrote it on his shirt shit dried he went home and then like three days later he got suspended so i could see it like belito and they're like <laughs> six months later like oh wait 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 we found out what that means now and you guys are all going to fucking jail like see, the other teachers like, didn't know the word finally the got coppers. back to the, to the spanish teacher yeah and they found <laughs> exactly it was like monday it's like friday he went home and he thought he was like the coolest kid in school and shit yeah. and then monday he was all sad like i got suspended and they're like yeah we found out over the weekend all right mm-hmm. Miss Garcia finally came back from break. We got to the bottom of this. We all met up at Vito's and found out that that's a bad word in Spanish. <laughs> One of my favorite things, because it was so real, was on a Chappelle show when uh, the Yin Yang twins from Windows to the Wall came out. And oh, ski, 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 ski. And he, he did that. And he was laughing. He was like, man, white people are going to lose their minds when they find out what skeet, skeet, skeet means. Yeah. And then, like, turns out. Yeah, because not that long after that, that song ended up like with the, oh, ski, ski, ski. It would just be edited. Yep. They took it right out. A lot of the information is sketchy. So a lot say that when he invented his new way of doing numbers, he called it Belito. I really don't think that that's true. I think 
a lot of people thought he was Hispanic because uh, we we had kind of covered in Alex Pompez. There was a lot of you know uh, you know black Latinos in Harlem at the time. He wasn't, but he was mixed and from the islands. So he was actually <laughs> Danish and African, but he was born on St. Croix. And we, I, I say it all the time, but you come to America, we don't know how to deal with shit like that. Yeah. We'd be like, oh. Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are Cuban. Like, oh, I'm so not Cuban. Ah, whatever. Don't you look exactly like that Cuban guy right there. <laughs> you take your steen over there, <laughs> Cuban fella. Yeah, according to you, Elvis. You I... take your steen and like it. I know a lot of people who'd kill for the steen name, all right? <laughs> he, got, he, he probably came to America just, America's all fucked up. Give him a Jewish name. They think he's Cuban. I don't know what's going on. I guess this is probably more where all the stuff he learned working in the financial district came into play. Because once he had all kinds of money rolling in from the numbers game, he was able to make his money make money at a high rate. So he was just a whiz with money. So the more he had coming in, which was a lot, he was just flipping it quick. He knew how to invest that shit. So... His wealth is debatable. Some say he's worth more than $2 million. Other reports have him earning as much as 12000 a day. What kind of stuff was he into besides the numbers? And the, did you find out what he was into? He pretty much just went into legal businesses outside of that. So he bought oh. a couple nightclubs. All right. Became a venture capitalist way That's back. That's a classic for the, the bad guys, nightclubs, mm-hmm. man. You know, you can always... You can always turn to the nightclubs because, I mean, these fuck, uh, we sold so many uh, expensive bottles of wine and champagne last night. You wouldn't believe it, tax man. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. with the numbers, he's working with all cash. He knows well enough that he has to launder that shit. So oh, yeah. he just, yeah, might as well invest it in a bunch of businesses and shit. He lived a lavish lifestyle. He had two apartments in Harlem, a fleet of cars. He had a big house in Long Island. And then he had several thousand acres of farmland in Virginia. Now, I'm going to do old school here and bust out a DC prediction. Because every time, this is either third or fourth one where somebody runs the numbers game or the policy and everything is great. It seems like when you run a numbers game, as long as you're not a fucking dumbass, you get rich Times are great. This is the height of the movie. This is the montage of him (laughs) flashing cash, getting the chicks, all this shit. But then this old Italian mobster is going to walk in the fucking scene and do something. Every time we've done a policy, it's run good. Then a mob guy gets involved, says, hey, why don't you just give me that? And even the guys that say, fine, you know what? Fuck it. Have it. I'm out, don't want no problem, I got rich, I'm trying to keep this Cadillac montage cruising. The last guy we did, he tried to do that, they still fucked him up, he got suspended three days later. He gave up his policy, <laughs> Three day, a couple years later he gets busted for that shit because the Italians fucked it up. They fucking mortared his shit up yeah. and fucked him all up. So I'm just going to throw out that prediction right now that the Italian people are going to come in here Hey, you got a good thing happening. Fuck you. We want your shit. So he did have a bunch of money and he liked to spend it. So he did like kind of live, you know, that outwardly flamboyant lifestyle. Scarface getting a convertible with leather leopard print seats. 
But he was known as a humanitarian. So he financed dormitories in southern black colleges. Uh, he established a Baptist school in Liberia. He set up a hurricane relief fund for his native Virgin Islands. He actually went back there and visited in 1918, got to go back to his homelands. But by then, it wasn't like St. Croix, and they weren't Danish no more. Like, after World War One, they became the U.S. Virgin Islands. Damn. So, see, fuck all these little low-class motherfuckers handing out turkeys for Christmas. This guy's setting, setting up international relief funds and shit. Yeah, El Capone hands out fucking 200 turkeys, and people are like, what a guy. Like, I'm going to keep a Caribbean many... island safe from a tropical yeah. storm. 40 guys in a dorm room. Come on now. He, he's the we are the world of the numbers <laughs> racket. <laughs> he's Live Aid right now. He's one man Live Aid. I financed a whole island. He was also a major player in the Harlem Renaissance. So he would finance neighborhood artists, writers, and poets. So like people that he thought were real talented that were just trying to make a difference and shit. Like uh, culture, you know, he's like real into like cultural stuff. He'd throw him tons of money, like. Okay, I know you can't afford to live making your art now, but we kind of need your art. So here, here's here's like a commission. He would also pay large sums of money to help impo- impoverished children in Harlem. And he paid off the mortgage of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, which ran for free under that, like as the Marvin Garvey Association up until like the association fell apart. Well, damn, I made the... Uh... The comparison earlier, but he really is like the tough Teddy of Harlem because that's the big thing that Teddy Rowe did too. Like his community tried to hook him up and keep it all good and set people up within his community and vest. So far, hey, this guy's used the, good the track. tools at your disposal, right? Like, I mean, he came up, he wasn't maybe he wasn't really interested in a life of particular like crime, like violent crime. But he found a way to, I mean, you know what I'm saying, man. Everything's illegal at one point in time until the government gets their stitches into it. But you know what I'm getting at. Like, he run the numbers. We haven't heard of him busting anybody's skull yet. We haven't heard of him, you know, shooting it out with anybody yet. So, I mean, I, I can dig it. He took the, the stuff that he had at his disposal. He's injecting cash into the community and shit. I'm, I'm digging it so far. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, <laughs> refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Survival 
back at the sorting them. Court of honor corroded as soon as it was awarded. Celebrations were thwarted before they could be supported. Rolling thunder bombarded them. Flaming dark put a part in them. Separate and disarm them and send the bulls to the parliament. Operation Niagara, Viet Cong on the battle with. Landmines and grenades and flamethrowers to scatter them. Dear mama, this battle is harder than what we thought it'd be. Every part of me scarred, I'll be recognized when they murder me. So when we left off, Casper Holstein was basically the top numbers guy in Harlem. He's making money hand over fist. And he put most of his money back into the community. But in 1931, Casper Holstein was kidnapped, beaten, and held for ransom. All right. That took a fucking turn. Damn. It did for him, too. He didn't even have like a ton of bodyguards or anything. It was kind of like... Uh, that's what I was about to blue. say. Somebody that rich and on top of the world shouldn't be easy to snatch. You remember what I was rambling about before the break, though, about, uh, you know, he wasn't really whacking people and shit. So just like he said, they had no fucking bodyguards. And why would you need him, right? If you're him and his mindset, he doesn't need him. He doesn't need him because, I mean, just I'm running numbers. I'm playing with the jazz bands and shit. I'm fucking setting up international funds who would want to kidnap me well you're an easy fucking target because there's tons of cash behind you and somebody realized that and in in 1931 we're talking about we're full blown into the great depression yeah prohibition is winding down you know so all the all the money they'd originally made you know is all kind of ah we've covered some some kidnappers on the show maybe what uh Duke was saying earlier in the episodes coming true, maybe the uh, the mafia figured out a way to capitalize off them. Well, I mean, as far as I'm getting kidnapped, like, yeah, that's why rich people stay out of bad neighborhoods. If you're that rich and hanging around bad neighborhoods, it's easy. You are just a a bag full of money. You're a walking bag full of money. Easy for them to just snatch. <laughs> like and, the Looney Tunes, yeah. the, the walking, like, steak, like... 
yeah. especially if you are like a soft little dude like this guy's just a numbers guy dude's just fucking numbers nerd so they're like yeah let's fucking grab this dork i'm a people person i'm interested uh who they were ranting him him to though when you kidnap someone like him he either has rich business partners or they're in the mob or something like who are they even like it seems like this guy would be better to just rob than to kidnap well the kidnappers they reached out and they demanded 17,000 cash for him from who Hmm. I mean, just his his organization, his handlers, his business partners. I mean, whoever, his family. I don't know specifically who. The Holston Foundation, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm just wondering is like, because we haven't heard too much about who he rolls with. So like, who are they even? Like, well, here's why. You haven't heard of his number two because this motherfucker's barely a gangster. So his underboss is legitimately just like yeah. an administrative assistant. You know what I mean? He celebrates that day. <laughs> <laughs> It's his only income is salary and shit. Word. We're barely gangsters here. See, so that, yeah, just some businessman. I don't know some 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 dude in Harlem. Whoever's gang was. See, that's an interesting little story uh, concept though, because at some point, if they kidnap him and they want this ransom, and not just him, but any rich guy, in the way you, like you're getting the ransom is from this dude's corporation is paying. The, then at what point is it kidnapping? And at what point is it just a long-term robbing? Like it's a robbing that you that lasts a little while. An extended yeah. robbery. Yeah. We've seen it. Because that's essentially what you're doing is you're getting him to pay you $17,000, only somebody else got to run to the bank for him. Right. So it's really, it's a robbery that they just, you hang out for a minute. And you're there too, because we, I mean, I don't, I don't want to keep on saying the same shit, but we covered it before where they were like, hey, look, man, just be cool. We're going to kidnap you and then we're going to let you go. And once we get the money, it's going to be all right, man. Like everything's fucking fine. Like this, you know, it's just how the game works. I mean, we've, we've covered that shit before, you know, so I'm. Wait, imagine. when did we have kidnapping surfers? Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, bro. <laughs> Come hang out, dude. <laughs> We're just going to major, do some major bond grips, hit some tasty waves, and wait for your good friend to come uh, through with some money, bruh. My accents fucking, they, they never stay on point, do they? I would love the <laughs> surfer right. mafia. Hey, man, like you totally owe what? us 20 bucks, man. We're going to have to like take out your kneecaps or something, brother. So they demanded 17000 cash, and that was agreed to without hesitation. So then they're like, well, we need 50 grand. <laughs> hey, look, somebody somebody on Marketplace just yeah. outbid you, bro. It's going to be 50 now. <laughs> they're like, wait, that was too easy. That was fucking dumb. Let's ask for more. That was great. That was, it's like, no, well, wait, uh, did I say 17? I meant 70. 50? 50? All right, 50. They just straight supersized their combo meal. <laughs> they said, oh, I meant large. So... Three days later, he was released. Uh, the kidnappers are said to have been Mad Dog Cole, who's working on behalf of Dutch Schultz. All right. Um, I remember old Dutchy boy Schultz. Yeah, and Mad Dog Cole was like his mad, his main, his main gunman. And Dutch Schultz was a cheap guy, and he was a money hungry guy. So when times got lean, he was the first guy to always start. Like, uh, what's the new thing? Kidnapping, or is the purple game called it? <laughs> the snatch game. We're in it. Hey, there's this new thing. It's extended robberies. We should get into it. It's it's like you rob someone, but they just hang out with you for a couple of days. Human leases. 
Yeah. You, you, you take on ownership of the human. As long as they pay you, they get it back. So Holstein denied ever paying the ransom. So when he talked to the authorities, the authorities say that he was mysteriously kidnapped and then released three days later. Wow. But basically what happened was with Dutch Schultz. So they, they also kidnapped him over the weekend. So basically what Dutch Schultz seen was he's like, well, so they can get 50 grand cash on the weekend when all the banks are closed. So they got like money, yeah. money on them. I mean, that makes some sense, right? Damn, like, Dutch is playing 4D chess. Yeah. He, he didn't just, he just did a test kidnapping just to see what's up. He, he's sending out kidnappings. He's like the empire sending out those fucking probe yeah. droids and shit. Like, it's like when thieves do like a little test robbery chess. on purpose just to see how security reacts to things or whatever. That's what he did. He's like, let's kidnap them. See how they get this money. Yeah. I mean, yep, that turns is, out they have a lot of money. I mean, that is a good move. Like, or it could have just been retroactive afterwards. Like, hey, who did they get this? It's Sunday. How the fuck do they do this? So how many other uh, up and coming racketeers got fucking kidnapped and they couldn't come up with the money? And they're like, all right, just beat them and let them go. Fuck it. Yeah, but for if he did that on purpose, like, nah, we're gonna wait till Friday. No, this we motherfucker had... gets money. We know something's up. We rot. We we kidnapped that guy from the other family last week, and we had to wait till <laughs> Monday between nine and five to get our money. These people produce the money on a Saturday at three p.m. I mean, come on. I mean, even in today's days, even <laughs> even in today's days, even in nowadays times. Hey, how's that boss tweet? Yeah, right. <laughs> So even in 2021, you want more than five G's or 10 G's from the bank. Like they'll make your ass wait for a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, he's right. <laughs> well, these motherfuckers have a lot of cash. Yeah. That's not... <laughs> well, I was thinking too, when you first said it, when Casper was like, no, I didn't pay him or whatever. I was thinking like, yeah, he may have had to launder money anyways. He may have had like illegal cash. He had to unload somewhere either way. So fuck it. It's just like in the movies though. Numbers, drugs, guns, liquor, whatever. There's going to be that cash room where there's somebody sitting with a visor on and the machine counting the money. I mean, if he's the biggest number runner in New York, yeah. I mean, even in 17, when you said 17 and even 50, I mean, I know it was 31, but still that seemed low for the the Mac daddy of the number running in, in New York at the time. I know it was Depression era or whatnot, but it still seemed like a low figure. I mean, I, I know that that's in the, it's, it's in the easy hundred thousands. It might even be towards a million. So but. you think you, you they should have went for more? <laughs> well, I know he said Dutch Schultz got all pumped up about it, so I'm interested to hear what happens next with the... Now they're going to go back for a hundred. Yeah. And guess what? They're going to do it on Labor Day. <laughs> So inflation calculator fifty grand in nine in thirty one is about nine hundred thousand today. Nine hundred, okay. Well, it's, it's almost nine. a mil. So, yeah, it's almost a mil. It was like uh, Doctor Evil, where they where he thought a million was still a lot, and so they were like <laughs> fifty thousand, and they're like, uh, yeah, do you do realize we do the best number running in New York City, right? Fifty G's, okay, that's still nothing. Here you go. <laughs> I mean, fuck. Like Dan said, like. They might have a pile of money they can't get rid of. You're like, okay, you get it out of the waiting to be laundered pile. Like, yeah, I had to ignore that, but yeah, right. Just throw that over there. Could you? Okay, thank he you. He saved us a lot of forklift work, eh? In 1932, prohibition is basically straight up going into repeal. So they know our major 
source of money is getting closed up, and all these guys are scrapping for other rackets. And Dutch Schultz is like, "Hey, we know a racket. We know some guys that got a bunch of money on hand, but they don't want to rob. They don't want to keep kidnapping people. They just rather just take the whole thing." And uh, Dutch Schultz has a huge gang. He's a big Jewish gangster at the time, and he just decides that he wants to move in on the Harlem's numbers racket. So Dutch Schultz's plan to take over the Harlem's number racket, he just sends. He just sends all his guys in. And he just basically tells everybody that runs a policy book in Harlem. Mine. Just hand it over, and he offers a small stipend in return. So he says, if you give us everything, we'll give you a couple hundred bucks a week, you know, for your business. That thing that. you built. So, yeah, you, like, so, like, a lot of these guys, like, so he's making 12 grand a year, or he's making 12 grand a day. Now, you probably buy business expenses and shit, but however much you bring it home a day, and now Dutch Schultz is like, no, you can, you know, we'll still hook you. You get a couple hundred a week. You know, we appreciate your hard work and shit, but the, the numbers are ours. This is our thing. The options Classic are. Classic mob. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's what they did to all the fucking the Harlem numbers guys. And they gave them the option. You either hand it over or gang war. And none of them were built for gang war. So we covered Alex Pompez. He, he, he ran baseball teams. This guy was like a businessman. Like, they just weren't gangsters like that yeah. necessarily, you know? So most yeah. of them just coughed it up. That's well, what I'm saying. It's very, it's like the black hand for businesses. Like yeah. when they would bust in and be like, hey, this is a nice uh, place you got here. If you don't want to catch on fire, how about you uh, You pay us protection fee just so we don't fuck it up for you. The same thing that gets me to admire uh, fellows like Tough Teddy um casper the guy we're covering tonight others that we've covered in the past check out some back episodes y'all if, if you haven't i mean the fives right like we always get feedback how we want more ones and i and i dig fives for the reason of like it's interesting to see how somehow the longevity of these guys is 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 how long it is when they don't have like a squad behind them that they can call on in these moments to back them up or something like that like tough teddy eventually i mean he went down like a gangster but he wasn't really a gangster like he went down in the streets like he said fuck it if you're gonna take it from me i mean not to spoil it but if you know i'm kind of spoiling it but if you're gonna if you're gonna take it from me then you're gonna have to take it from me can't spoil history bro with bullets and guns and shit well his exact quote was if you're going to come get me, I'll take a few of you with me. He went Pac on him. So. Yeah, that was his exact quote. I, I, and same thing with, with this fellow here. It's like, even if you're not a violent person, when you're making your money illegally, and I'm trying to lay the blueprint, <laughs> <laughs> just like prison is uh, gangster 101 or, or criminal 101 or whatever. I'm just saying, if you're going to do some illegal shit, but you don't want to get your hands dirty, you may want to have somebody ready to get their hands dirty for these situations when Dutch comes and calls your fucking bluff and says, well, I'm just going to take it. Because if, if you want to call my bluff, then you better be ready with some guns, with some muscle, somebody to back you up. Because you've put your whole life into making these these this fucking number game, and now you can't even back it up when I, when I want to come and take it from you. So, I mean... As much as I admire the dudes who somehow can get a good life of crime in without necessarily breaking skulls or cracking bones, they're stupid to not have somebody that's backing them up because it's this is cookie cutter. Like, this has happened before. Like, what Dutch, what Dutch is doing. Well, I mean, it's the classic tale. It's right up there with Mob Lessons 101, right up there with Don't Snitch, is you keep a low profile and, like, 
it's just one of those things you don't not only low profile from the law but you don't want the bigger fish to get a hint of you neither you don't want them knowing how much money you make or also try to rob you or whatever and if you're gonna get the attention of the bigger fish you better have like some muscle to get them back and you can't be a half a gangster like this guy can't dabble in illegal if you're gonna live that life like at least the other guys that we covered the real uh cuban dude alex uh, pompez yeah it's my memory is so bad we just did that one like <laughs> last week but him and not tough, even last week sunday and tough teddy they at least had a crew with them they had some muscle they knew what was up this guy's just asking for it so uh casper holstein basically just decides that getting into a gang war getting all the violence is going to negatively affect his ability we basically wanted to focus on like political and phil- philanthropic goals and shit and he's like well I, I don't got time for a gang war like that's who wants to, you know, do business? Yeah. I am a nerd. I don't do illegal things. You guys were just too dumb to run numbers, so I figured out a smarter show, way. Show you how to run numbers. That's all. So he opted to walk away from all of it and just gave up his numbers racket completely. He was just like, you just have it all. I don't care. I'm done. And wow. He, and he just walked away. God, fucking hell, man. That's I wild. Mean, I hate to say I called it, but... uh. And yeah. all that rambling I did, and I would have never expected that that See, was going to be the outcome. I'm right with them, and maybe it's because I listened, well, I was on the Alex one. So, I understand, like, when you're not in the life, I mean, he had no business being in a gang war. Like, you're yeah, right. walk away. Give yeah. it up. All right. Because, I, yeah. mean, I mean, when you're in it and it's a business, it's one thing. But as soon as these guys get involved, the mob guys are like, okay, I'm not dealing with this shit. Yep. Time to move on to that next stock. Let's sell this one out in relative terms. No, um, it's good. That's the that's the sort of language Casper speaks. Stocks, yep. bonds, up, down, bulls. So he walks away completely. He just make he concentrates on his legal businesses and he sets up like a small time operation, like completely aside from the rackets as a layoff bookie. So we kind of covered that on Nick Savella. A layoff bookie is where anytime somebody's running a book, a, a gambling book, you can't hope that you're so smart that you get more bets from the right team and that wins. What you want is you want to get enough bets from both teams that the winners play the losers. Yeah. And then you All make right. your money off the VIG, which is kind of like a, it's almost like a, a processing fee that you charge off of every bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, you don't want to count on some college kicker making a kick for you to make your money. You just want these guys to pay for these guys. So if you have too many bets coming in on one side, you go to another bookie you know or maybe someone from a different state or they have this network where they'll go to this other guy and say, hey, I have too many bets on the Lions. I need to sell some of them. And they're like, okay, I got too many for the Saints. So they'll kind of swap bets so they weren't doing to go back to the fucking stocks and bonds they were doing mortgage lending they were buying out people's bankruptcy and past loans and stuff see it's so great when you dig down to how much mob shit is like yeah the financial market and mob shit is so much alike (laughs) it's just what they're dealing in yeah i mean i didn't even think about it but like i guess he was smart with bunny and yeah he was doing like yeah i'll take your extra yeah, if you got if you got to lay off some cheap if you yeah if you got to buy sell off some mm. cheap chiefs bets I got them. Yeah, for people that don't know, when we had the big housing crisis, that's what it was. People went upside down and what their houses were worth, so they would go to a banks would go to a different bank to say, hey, we're losing our ass on some of these loans. Take some of these loans. We'll take some of your loans, and that's what these mob dudes were doing. 
with illegal bets. So Dutch Schultz eventually, he's one of the biggest gangsters in the world. And Thomas Dewey, who's he's a federal prosecutor, he was out hunting mob guys and he became obsessed with catching Dutch Schultz. And he starts busting all the Dutch Schultz rackets. And one of the first things he finds is all these old, all these numbers operations that he had taken from all the Harlem guys. So in 1934, all of Casper Holstein's clubs were raided and shut down and he was arrested and convicted on gambling charges. Damn. Yeah, fucking just... after... ah, fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get all tough Teddy episode the... on this where I start like fucking stumbling on my words and shit. But it's like, what the fuck you going after this guy? If anything, like get him on your side to help you get at Dutch. But I mean, what the fuck you want the uh, small time mm-hmm. shit for, man? The Spanish teacher finally showed up. Yeah. They figured out what was on his shirt, and now he's busted. <laughs> Says Mota. <laughs> But no, that's fucked up. That's like if you sold your car, they got into a car wreck, but they didn't like go get the registration in their name yet, so it's still in your name. Like, yep. no, I sold it to them. These fucking assholes. Yeah. They're running that num- numbers operation in your name still. Yeah. Go to the Secretary of State next time and transfer that title, fucker. I mean, that is fucked up though, because he gave it up. I'm I done. went from dealing Ferraris yeah. to being a fucking used car salesman. All right, guys, why you gotta fucking indict me? You're, I'm on a federal level. Really? I mean, from where I was to what I was doing, like the, and no disrespect to layoff bookies, but what (laughs) Casper was doing was fucking leagues above layoff bookies, right? (laughs) Take that layoff bookies. You guys ain't shit. You heard him. Tank said, fuck you. Ain't no numbers, right? Rat. Tat, tat. Oh, you <laughs> whack-ass little... Hey, I'm gonna get your bets. You want some of my bets? <laughs> Fucking dorks. Fuck you. You better get on your Casper shit. You tell them, Tank. Fucking piddly little fucking shit. Old fucking Dewey fucking sets his crosshairs directly on the dude who has no muscle behind. Like, he fucking, that was a fucking gimme. That was a goddamn, that you know what I'm saying. That was a three-par, man. That was an easy <laughs> That was a three-par. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking, uh, that's what he was, too. He's just out there trying to swipe up everything. Yep. Like, oh, that's a quick little and, easy one. And I could get it if he wanted him on his side. Like, hey, and who else, you know, who better to have on your side if you were trying to get somebody to snitch on Schultz than... The dude who just steamrolled, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, I could see it if he was strategic, but if he was doing it just for, ah, whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm pissed. Uh, I'm fucking pissed. I never know how it's going to end with him. <laughs> so, Casper Holstead wouldn't snitch on anybody, so he... <laughs> He wouldn't roll, so he got sentenced to... He got convicted, ended up, only ended up doing a year in prison. And after his release, he retired completely from the criminal life. Damn. See, that's... I'm fucking He's like, I was trying to retire years ago, and I couldn't. Put me in prison. Now I gotta not snitch. Fuck. And Turns see, out he, that's a rule. And I thought he would snitch easy. So that's, that's an interesting it's, outcome. Well, see, that's the one thing that he knew. He didn't know, like... He didn't expect to get fucking kidnapped by the mob so easily. He didn't expect the cops to just come and snatch him up so easily. He's like, all right, one thing I do know is I'm going to just keep my fucking mouth shut. We don't snitch. I'm not going to do that. And I mean, in the arena of what was happening at that point in time, all the violence, all the murder, you're right. Like, he probably really didn't think that they 
would even want anything to do with him because at the end of the day he was running a fucking lottery and well, shit. Policy, yeah, it was just a business. It was numbers. It was almost financial. It wasn't till prohibition stopped and like people like Dutch were looking for the new scheme. Up until that point, the mob existed and didn't touch him. They wanted nothing to do with him. Then all of a sudden, like, hey, we noticed you. He's like, oh shit, fuck. So they called him a dork, pushed him in his locker, stole his milk. <laughs> yeah. And so, then he thought the teacher was going to help him. Your shirt no. says Mota? <laughs> the fucking hall monitor came, picked on him, threw him back in the locker, gave him detention. By the time he got out, most of his business were taken. His assets were all froze. He didn't have much going on. In the early 40s, he got sick, and he was sick for a long time. He had a long battle with the illness. It might have been cancer. It doesn't really say. Uh, he ended up dying in 1944. No uh, MRIs back then? 50s or 60s what was it when was he born in the he was born in 76 yeah all right so he, he made it into his 50s huh 60s, yeah he was 60s. uh he'd have been 68 all right all right age inflation that makes him about 82 in today's years <laughs> right some papers reported that he died broke conflicting reports claimed he was able to live out at least a comfortable life Oh, he had some dollars stuffed in some mattresses. Somewhere. I would hope. He had some. I so I think what it was was he couldn't be rich anymore, but he at least had enough money to at least just be a regular dude in New York. I'm not Casper Holstein no more, but I'm not begging for change on the fucking freeway and shit. Hey, the man got 50 grand on a weekend. Right. He, he had some dollars somewhere. I would think, I mean, he's a smart financial guy, and he was alive during the Great Depression. I think he knows how to stow away some shit. Yeah, in the, in yeah. 44, he's like, ah, oh, you pussies, this is easy money. You've made money during the Depression, <laughs> motherfuckers. But his funeral was attended by over 2,000 mourners. Damn. That's some tough teddy shit, too, right? Like, yeah. he had a lot of people at his funeral, well, too. that, too, if he got out of... But his funeral was, of, like, a fucking event. Yeah. Well, Teddy was, like, unlike this guy, Teddy went to war with... He went to war with yeah. the mob like yeah, he didn't right. go down right. he, but, uh, he bowed out nobody what's the what's the line from troy when he said no one will remember your name yeah that's what yeah we talked about ted bro a long time ago because he went to fucking war i mean he yeah. died in the streets but he went to fucking war Did, baddest yeah. man to ever walk the south side casper holstein bowed out the first line that you were trying was the little kids like i want to fight him that's why no yep. one will remember your name but uh yeah, I mean, if he got out of jail, went right back to that same community, like that same part of Harlem, which I'm assuming he would, those are the same people that he was taking care of. Like how to cook goose for Christmas. So I would assume him just being an older gentleman in that neighborhood, they would take care of him here. So even if he had no money, right. he may have been that guy that was broke because he would always give like the diner waitress a $50 tip and shit. So he got free coffee all the time or something. So that's the story of Casper Holstein. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Now you guys haven't seen a picture, but if we were going to cast a movie about Casper Holstein, who would you cast to play him? The guy who played on Breaking Bad, he was the boss. You were thinking Juan Carlos Esposito. Is, is that, was that? The guy that ran... Uh... Romano's mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, Juan Carlos. That guy. I can't think of his name in the show, neither. Gus. 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 Yeah. Gus. It's funny because that's who we were going to say for Alex uh, 
Pompez. Pompez. I always no want to say Pompeo. The episode that just got released, yeah. Oh, okay. But, but that's who I was going to say this time. And what's messed up about that, that is because he was, he was Spanish or Latino, right? Yeah. Like in the show. So I did I did Casper the same way they did him at Ellis Island and shit. Like, I you're mean, Cuban B. So I looked, up, I looked up Giancarlo Esposito because I assumed, because last time we had uh, Afro-Cuban, so I thought, like, yeah, he's like a, a black Latino. He's a good way to go. I guess he's actually... Half black, half Italian. Okay. Hmm. My, my second was going to be Lenny yeah. Kravitz, but yeah. only because yeah. I knew the, only because I knew the lineage. You know what I mean? Yeah, Lenny Kravitz. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know if he. Acts, I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. maybe <laughs> acting. Some guy that looks like so yeah. fighters can act. So who, Lenny who do you uh, who do you think would look like? Uh, yeah. Casper <laughs> yeah. Holstein. Yeah. Trying to think of which way I would go with this story. It. It doesn't sound like too much of a comedy. You know what? I think I would go with, like, a Will Smith. Will Smith and, like, a Pursuit of Happiness thing, like, where he was just a working man, sort of mm-hmm. quiet dude in, like, an old suit. and then He, he, he acts well flashing. in a financial environment. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. Maybe someone like him I was thinking. The other guy I was thinking is uh, Jonathan Majors. He'd be a good one because I think he could play... Sort of another, almost another version of Denzel Washington as Frank Grimes, kind of. That's uh, Kang the Conqueror guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he'd definitely be good. I actually think that's probably a better pick than you think. So, so Casper Holstein's kind of been portrayed. You guys have both seen Boardwalk Empire, right? Yep. Yep. So, Dr. Valentine Narcisse, who is... Oh, oh Jeffrey yeah. Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Who's the voice of uh, The Watcher and What If. He's in Westworld. And I hated yeah. that guy on that show. Yeah, he was, he was gangster, way, though. He was gangster, though. He See, was. then I wouldn't... The story you just told me... I mean, I don't know how many listeners have seen the show, haven't, but the characterization that I just got, this, I mean, Narcisse must be loosely based on him because Narcisse was a gangster in this show. Yeah, so he's very loosely based. So I've listened to a bunch of interviews with Jeffrey Wright on it, and he actually kind of learned Casper Holstein's real story, like in depth, inside and out. So he knows the Casper oh, okay. Holstein story, the real That's story. That's interesting. So what he said is they took this character, and he said it's like Casper Holstein and like a funhouse mirror. So he said, like, if you take his commitment to uh black growth and you know the like the black power movement I remember and his success yeah. but take away all the bele- you know benevolence and the you know all the good behavior mm-hmm. so i just thought that that was kind of cool like doing the research that like it turns out no he knows the real story and he agrees with what you're saying but it was loosely based so they were looking for what they liked is he's an islander guy that was very pro black and very successful. They just didn't like the part where he wasn't a very good gangster. Well, that's what when people say shit's based on things in movies, it's so loose. Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't a real thing, even though yeah. it's based on something. His character might be based on, but he didn't play Casper. But well, I could see where like they got some inspiration from it. So here's the actual pictures of Casper Holstein. Oh, but that's another. I did the oh, because when you said that, I could see Jeffrey Wright playing this version of Casper too. Yeah. 
Because this version is almost like what Jeffrey Wright played in Westworld, like the nerdier kind of guy. So Jeffrey Wright almost should get to. Yeah. Because he had to play the the other version. Yeah. Like, and you, you did all the research to play like the evil version. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. So standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. On the bad guy podcast, there's no good guys. So at five, we got Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, bank robbing, kidnapper. And at one, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you write Casper Holstein? Well, I mean, not to speak for anyone, Tank. I think I, think I could take this one more all agreement. I mean, this guy's a one. This guy's a Stone Cold Killer. <laughs> He's out here just <laughs> sticking heads in jars. You know what I mean? It's a feared man on the streets. Yeah. No, this motherfucker's five all day. Yep. He's the fivest of fives. Yeah, he's not even a five in the way that Teddy Rowe was or nothing. Not even the same way that uh, Alex... Uh, Pompez. Um, I always want to say Pompeo or something instead yeah. of Pompez. Yeah. Like, I think there's going to be a third syllable. Guess what? There's no third mm-hmm. syllable. Just, Just Pompez. Pompez. Quick. It's actually a slight Easy. disrespect to even mention Tough Teddy in the same episode with yeah, this guy. Because he, he is the fiveiest but five. Like, if if of Teddy all five was a young. five, like this guy seriously yeah. is like a seven. Like even Apoms, I think, was a little tougher than this guy. Blind, yeah. Blind Bob would probably pick on him in prison. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, the badness of yeah. him is the fact that he made his money illegally. And and gave it back to the community and somehow managed to persevere for the the length of time that he did. I mean, we know some people got paid off, right? We know some people got some money slipped to him. We get that part, but like that's the badness of him, and it stops there. Like there, other than that, it's a five solid five all day, right? That's right. It's going to the streets. Hey y'all, it's revolution up in this bitch. Set the alarm. Defcon five. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's another one of these. So we did Alex Pompez as a, you know, like a bonus episode. But so this episode is actually going to be the first episode of the season two finale. So at the end of season one, so we did a ep- pilot episode. Right. So the the season finale is going to be the Harlem policy kingpins. Okay. So at the end of season one, we did Al Capone and that turned into a four part series. And now I'm just kind of doing series with everything. And uh, I was looking at doing like one guy and doing an extended thing, but it's something that I really wanted to cover. I think we cover the numbers a lot on here and we covered, you know, tough Teddy and there's some big names in the Harlem crime king pens. So, so I wanted to cover those, but I also felt like you can't really tell that story without talking about Casper Holstein because he kind of brought it back to be the big thing that numbers yeah. is. And he reinvented the way a whole racket was done, which isn't something you see a lot in crime. And and whether it was simple or not, I mean, just the basing it off of something that was publicly available, I mean, it revolutionized that the, the industry at that point in time. So, I mean, we, we all know it was simple. It, you know, sometimes the best revelations in life are the simple ones, and he was the one who figured it out, and that's big time for the numbers, so... The bolito, or whatever you'd like to call it, policy. I know there's differences, but you know what I'm saying. Well, and I think when you say how simple it is, that makes it more amazing. So it's always been that simple, but nobody else has ever fucking found it. Yeah. That makes it more amazing, right? Like, he was the first one to say, 
you know how much money you guys spent on like wheels and balls and you know presentation for this <laughs> leather flappers that hit the things when you spin the wheel. Oh. Do you pay Man. someone to draw those? Okay, there's I've an easier way to do this. Aggie, the numbers. Aggie, you sadly was over there spinning the wheel for you. I'm over my head in plastic balls here. All right, we're losing our ass. We're in the red. Look, we got logistics. We got to have them shipped in. We got to keep them somewhere. Like, what if there's a bad one? Yeah. Ah, this is too much work. Yeah. But seriously, though, just the, well, you said that one of the number one things, I mean, even as, as lazy as the public was and didn't want to check the numbers, they also were in the same weird token, somehow unconfident in the system. They didn't feel like they wanted to, you know, check, you know, they didn't want to fucking monitor it, but they wanted it to be reliable. So that was the number two problem they had, and he solved it. It, it was the number one problem they had, and he solved it, right? So that's big, man. That's big. All right. Well, before we go, you guys got anything? Just uh, get yourself some backup. Get yourself some muscle. Like, even if you are holier than thou, even if you can't be bothered to get your hands dirty, get yourself some backup. If you decided you want to make your, your grip off of fucking illegal measures, get somebody who does want to get your hands, get their hands dirty for you. That's just Tank's advice to any bad guys out there. So all that money that you saved on spinners and plastic balls and people to pull them, invest that in security, man. Yep. Just reinvest it. Don't save that money. Reinvest it. Don't be cheap. Get Bring you a defense security. budget. Get you a defense budget. Even the superpowers know. Get you a defense budget. All right. Well, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy come in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the can, man And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay So I don't money grab the hundred hams I done money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah Say hello to the bad guy The good guy come in last place You smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Track race, control re up in my ashtray. I'm in my bag, hey, good girl, bad face, slim waist, and her ass fake. Hey, and she in love with the bad guy, hey, but bad bitches never act right. Hey, she act up into that bag fly. I did a turnaround in one night. Hey, say hello to the bad guy. Hey, hey, the good guy coming last place. Hey, 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 h
a low to the bad guy. The good guy come in last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy come in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.